This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 14. Episode 13. This is Writing Excuses, Obstacles versus Complications. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Margaret. I'm in the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I wanted to do this uh, because a couple of times on Writing Excuses, you've heard me say, uh, talking about obstacles versus complications and how I learned about it from Margaret Dunlap. And it occurred to me that we actually have Margaret here. And so instead of having to listen to my fumbling attempt to distill this this theory that she has come up with, we could just have her explain it to you. So, Margaret, tell us, please, about obstacles versus complications. Okay, so obstacles versus complications is, I think, I was trying to think back to the origin of this. And for me, it goes back to learning how to write to act breaks. Because you, you know, classically, you write to the act break, you're going to stop, have commercials, and you want something that's going to drive the audience to come back. And the problem of writing television today is that television audiences have watched hundreds of hours of television, and they kind of know how television works. And so if you put in a classic kind of cliffhanger of like, oh no, is Mulder going to die on the X-Files? Well, probably not. And most of your audience is pretty well aware that at the end of Act One, it's like, eh, Mulder's probably still going to be with us for the rest of this episode. And so TV writers had to get better at making stories twistier. And so obstacles versus complications, both of these are people, things, or circumstances that are somehow impeding the progress of the character or the story. The difference is, while an obstacle is something that your character can overcome and then keep moving, a complication is something that they have to deal with and then causes ramifications that causes the story to take a turn. Mm. And, and if I can jump in here, one of the, because we, we spent a delightful period of time talking about this. And for me, one of the, it clarified something that I've talked to my students about, which is when I talk about the mice quotient and, and talk about how you can have multiple threads and they can be braided together. And I intellectually, like, not intellectually, it, I had an intuitive sense of what I meant, but I had difficult time articulating it. So an, an obstacle keeps you on the same path. It's like a straight ahead thing. If you're, if you're on a milieu line, you stay on a milieu line, whereas a complication will kick you off over into a character line. That oh. is really fascinating. Isn't it? Yeah. That obstacle is, really is the speed bump. Complication is the detour sign, which you're not actually sure which side road it's pointing to. Right, or the detour sign that somebody has taken away, or I have an example of, you know, if I am a renowned thief and I'm trying to break into Mary's apartment, the locked door is an obstacle. The fact that Mary is home and I thought that she wasn't, that is a complication, potentially. If I knock her out because I am awesome, because I am an internationally renowned thief, then she is effectively an obstacle. But if she provides information that the thing I have come to steal, I'm not stealing it back. I'm just stealing it. That creates a complication. 
You know, this is really interesting because a lot of plot formats, particularly some of the ones rooted in screenwriting, talk about this idea of at some point during the story, the characters are going to realize their goals are larger or different than they wanted them to be. Mm -hmm. And knowing the difference between obstacle versus that complication that can open their eyes to a greater plot could be really helpful. Yeah, it's also a way to take a story that has a very linear progression and think about, because often we know where we want a story to end. It's like, all right, well, you know, the character starts and they head that way. If you, you think in terms of complications, maybe they started out going this direction, you know, as you can tell from watching me moving my hands <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> if they start moving to the right, a series of complications might bend them around 180 degrees and get, or more likely 90 degrees, speaking narratively, We rarely have a character start out seeking the exact opposite of what they wind up getting. But those are the complications that can create those twists that aren't, you know, a shocking twist that you'll never see coming, but just those little shifts in the narrative. There is a classic twist in the uh, elementary CBS's uh, Sherlock Holmes thing that I've described to my kids as the Act Two corpse, Mm -hmm. which is the point at which we are moving along and then... Someone is dead who we are not expecting to be dead. And maybe it's an obstacle because we can no longer ask that person questions, but we've discovered that it's more complex. And what's fun is that even though my kids will now watch TV with me and and lean forward and say, Act 2 Corpse, (laughs) yay, Act 2 Corpse. Right. The episode still works because we don't know what the complication is going, we don't know what's going to happen. We just know there's been a complication and we are on board for where our heroes take it. Yeah, it's the murder mystery where your prime suspect is the second victim. I've done that before. (laughs) It's very handy. It's a classic for a reason. Let's break here for our book of the week. Great. So our book of the week is Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse. This is a fantastic book. On one level, you can read it as just monster hunters uh, going after monsters, but it's so much more than that. So this is uh, after the world has basically drowned under the big water. It's set on what used to be a Navajo reservation, and it has been reborn as uh, Denata, and all of the gods and heroes of the land are kind of there again. So, like, there's Coyote. And it's it's wonderful, and it's, it's relevant to this because it has a great series of obstacles and complications. There are obstacles that are just getting in the way of her tracking down the, the, the monster, and then there are complications which are completely affecting the way her relationship with herself, her relationship with other people. It's wonderful, wonderful storytelling. So tell us one more time. It is The Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse. Excellent. All right. So uh, since we are talking about obstacles and complications, one of the things that I wanted to to also talk to our listeners about, we've talked a little bit about how to use them. I also want to talk about the dangers of them, like the dangers of a story that is only complications. It's only complications. The danger of a story that is just piling complication on top of complication on top of complication is that it's it can be easy to lose track of the stakes. If 
we are constantly shifting what's going on, who are, what are we after, how is it happening? It's tough for the audience to, it can be difficult for the audience to remain invested because it's who's on first. They're losing track of what is our ultimate goal? What are we actually pushing towards? Are we making progress towards it? Or does, are we keep just getting derailed into detours? You know, it is possible to make a story too twisty. Yeah. And is it possible to go the other direction and, and just have just obstacles? Yeah, I think the danger of a story that is only obstacles is that, one, it can feel like your character isn't getting anywhere because anytime they're building up ahead of steam, they're hitting another wall. Um, the other risk that we sort of talked about earlier is that the story can feel very linear. It's like, I am headed to grandma's house. And the road goes out, so I've got to get a boat, and the boat blows over, and it just keeps going, you know, one thing to another thing to another thing, but we never shift gears. You can do it, but there's a risk that it just feels like a straight shot down a hallway, and why is it taking you so long to walk? I've worried about both of these things with the yes, but no, and Mm -hmm. methodology that we've talked about that, uh, that Mary introduced me to, which is... Great. I use it in my class for those discovery writers who don't know how to outline and don't really want to outline. I say, here's a method. But I worry about if they do this the wrong way, you're going to end up with only complications because it's so easy to say, yes, they do accomplish this, but weird, wacky thing happens that sends us off in another direction. So that brings up the question of progress and pacing. So one of the things that I... I talk about sometimes with the yes, but no, and is um, since in in Western storytelling, we have the rule of three, uh, which is, you know, three times are funny, third times a charm, three times are unlucky. We just we're, we're geared to think in terms of threes that uh, that you can you can use that and hack with it. Uh, if you want something to feel easy, then you have it happen l- with less than three trial error cycles. Um, if you want it to feel hard, then you do more than three uh, try-fail cycles. So with the yes, with a yes, but uh, it's like yes, but complication. Uh, and then with no and, it's like no and obstacle, mm-hmm. and to a certain degree. So you can, I feel like you can control pacing to a certain degree that way. How do you con- do? You use these as tools to control pacing. Um, I mean, it's it feels, hard. It feels like it when you're talking about act breaks. Yeah, I mean. It is a way to control pacing. I think when writing in television format, it's it's such a set structure, even now as we're seeing more TV being written without commercial breaks. If you're writing for a Netflix or one of the other premium services, you don't necessarily have commercials that are coming in between. But I like to try to write on that you know, four to five act structure anyway, just because it ensures that things are happening, that you're not getting the episode that, you know, feels like, okay, this is just an installment, but nothing's really happening. It's a lot of kind of dithering around and nothing is really changing. Nothing's really progressing. Having those sort of stops along the wheel of setting up the problem of the week making our first attempt at it, a big turn at the midpoint that shifts things around, having to recover and prepare for that, and our final confrontation in Act 5. Having that as a kind of baseline structure sets up that, you know, 
one, the idea that we're accomplishing something in a single episode, even if it's a piece of a much larger story. Mm-hmm. But also, again, with a television audience that's watched a lot of television, there are certain rhythms that you get used to, and you can shift those rhythms. I watched a lot of Law and Order in high school and college, and then I started watching Homicide Life on the Street. And I realized that I would start getting really antsy around the half hour point in homicide because subliminally I was waiting for the cops to hand it over to the lawyers to handle the second half of the show. But homicide, it's all cops. And it took a while to get used to the different pacing and the different rhythm. But having that, you know, that television falling into those, you know, it, Saying familiar patterns feels like it's it's cliche, but just that sort of those storytelling rhythms that at a certain level feel comfortable that you can use or shift up in order to really unsettle your audience. Yeah. Uh, as you were talking, I realized that when I earlier said uh, yes, but complication, no, and obstacle, that made it sound like those are the the, the pairings that you have to do, which is not actually True at all. Yeah. Yes is progress towards the goal. No is progress away from the goal. And then complications and obstacles are additional tools that you can use in, in terms of, of shifting. I find that I, I am more likely to use obstacles uh, as a, within a, roughly put, within a scene, mm-hmm. and then use the complications kind of as, as I approach a scene end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think complications, you do have to be judicious with them, at least in terms of major complications. Yeah. Um, if you look at, um, you know, if you look at the leverage pilot, which I'm guessing many listeners and people here on this podcast are familiar with, you get a couple of really big complications in that, but only a couple. You know, it's like we've been hired to you know, steal airplane plans. It turns out those airplane plans, we didn't steal them back from the person who stole them. We just stole them from the people who created them. And then every, you know, and then they have obstacles in trying to get revenge on the person who set them up. With, there are some some additional complications buried in there, but they aren't all necessary. A complication doesn't have to be earth-shaking. It can be... You have to take your little sister with you on right. this heist job. And nice, how are we going to handle that? The yeah. nice thing about the, the leverage show format with regard to complications is that uh, when the heist is one in which we are going to be shown after the fact that there was a piece, they were actually prepared for this. Yeah. The final complication looks to us like the nail in the coffin that, nope, they're not going to survive this twist. Oh, wait, this is the one they were ready for. And that bit of formulaic TV writing, yes, it's formulaic. And yes, if you watch an entire, you binge watch Leverage, you can start to see the seams, but it's it's beautiful. I love the way it's done. I, I would just also like to say, John Howard said it was formulaic. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's uh this has been really fascinating. It's really helped kind of frame this in my head. Something that like Mary said, I've always kind of known but never been able to put words to. 
Uh, you also have a piece of homework for us, right, Margaret? Yeah. What I'd like you to try to do is take a story, either something you've written or another story, and either find or insert an obstacle into it. Then brainstorm what might happen if that obstacle were actually a complication. It was some, it's something that forces the narrative to take a turn. See what happens. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.